All right. Um, well, before I begin, we do have to apologize because neglected two of our graduates. So we got to pull everybody back up here. We got to do it all again. I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. Nate and Samantha are going to um, put them in the picture with their amazing skills on the computer. But no, they're two amazing young ladies in our in our church fellowship. And, uh, you know, I'm going to recognize them both. The first one I want to recognize um, Andrea Santana. She can stand up, Andrea. Oh, she gives a wave. So Andrea graduated from CSUN with a Bachelor's of Science in Communications. And so very proud of you, Andrea. And then I'm going to ask Colleen Lee to stand up. Yeah, Colleen Lee. Colleen Lee graduated from Berkeley, UC Berkeley with honors in legal studies. Did you have your honors too? Andrea was honors also, sorry. Colleen took three years to get to graduate with her degree in legal studies at Berkeley. And uh, so, and it's awesome, uh, Colleen, to have you a part of our singles ministry down here and uh, helping uh, lead the charge there. And so, thank you guys for your love and your forgiveness. I'm sorry for forgetting you, and we will get you guys a Bible. Get you ladies a Bible, okay? Amen. So before I can uh, start with my sermon, I'd like to start with just a word of prayer. God, it's, uh, it's so amazing to be here. And God, as we talk about just refocusing, God, uh, there are so many things out there that can really distract us. Maybe it's uh, this morning we felt distracted, or we started back to school and we're distracted, or something new at work or distracted. Or sometimes it, there, there's family stuff that just feels like it pulls us away. You know, God, I think about Linda Lisnick. You know, I pray, God, that you're with her, her family, that you comfort them as they're mourning the loss of their grandmother, of her grandmother, God. And, you know, and that, um, you know I, I pray that you can comfort them during this type of time. You know, Lord, I, I pray that through this sermon, through this, uh, through this today, God, that we can just keep our focus on you. That if we have to refocus, then we refocus. God, I pray that you can uh, be with uh, me as I preach. Be with us as we um, listen, help our hearts to be open to your word and the message that we're going to hear today. In your son's name I pray, amen. You know, a big time sports fan was watching a football game with his grandchildren. It's preseason, preseason football, so before uh, anybody that doesn't really care about football, like, tunes me out, this is not about football. But he's watching a football game with his, with his grand, it's not grandson, but grandchildren. But he turns and he looks at his oldest grandson. And he, he's kind of like in this mood, this, this like reflective uh, mindset. You know, kind of feeling a little reflective, feeling a little wistful. And he's kind of looks at his oldest grandson, Nathan. And he says, um, Nathan, you know, it's not easy getting old. I feel like I'm getting to, I'm in the fourth quarter now. You know, he was 75, and that, that's kind of, he's just feeling it. He's looking at the, 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 his, the, the next group coming up, the younger group coming up, and that's what he's feeling. And, then, and Nathan looks at him, you know, just cheerfully as only a kid can, with just this childlike heart. And he says, don't worry, Grandpa. Maybe you'll go into overtime. 
You know, I don't know how you're feeling about the fall. The 2017, you know, maybe you've had a stinky year. Maybe you're uh, maybe you're, you're like, it's just, a, you know, fall is just a bad time for me. Maybe maybe you're like walking in and you just got a long list of stuff to do. You know, you, you started school or you're about to start school. You're, you're running around your teachers telling you stuff that you need and you don't have it. So you're going back to Walmart, making multiple trips to Walmart or Target, depends on who you are, I guess, or Amazon. Um, but, you know, you're, you're feeling distracted or maybe work is a new project or, or maybe maybe you're just maybe you've just had a bad couple years or a bad few years. My challenge this morning is I want to ask everybody to look at this fall as overtime. Look at this fall as a time to, to refocus, as a time to get on the right track, a time to make difference, you know, to make a difference. Because, you know, when you think about overtime, it doesn't matter how you got to overtime. You know, if you got to, if you were leading, if you were in the lead, and somebody just came roaring from, back, from behind you and, and tied the game, and you went into overtime, it doesn't matter. It's a new game in overtime. Yeah, I am a Falcons fan for anybody that wants to know if you didn't know that. So it's a bittersweet point that I'm making right now. But it doesn't matter if you're in the lead or if you're the team that came from behind and you tied the game and you're going into overtime. It's a reset. It's a time to refocus. It's a time to re-engage. And guess what? The lights are bright. These are when the highlights are made. These are where you get to re-engage. You know, this is, uh, you know, like I talked to some of the campus students and they, they teach me words now, you know, and phrases that, that like I just, just new things, you know, and they say, you got to stay woke. That's what they tell me. If you ever hear a college student meaning stay woke, that's basically them saying stay focused, stay vigilant, stay up. And I'm like, amen, I like that. That's this pretty good phrase right there. You know, that's what we're going to talk about, it, about refocusing. In August 29th, in 520 B.C., God had to refocus his people. We're going to be reading out of the book of Haggai. That's page 1025 in my Bible. It's a short book. It's the second shortest book in the Old Testament. I don't know what page it is in your Bible. I'm going to give you a little time to get there. I'm going to go through some history. So if you've got to look at the table contents, nobody's going to judge you right now. Totally fine. Um... But, but God has to refocus his people. And I love that in Haggai chapter 1, you guys there? Haggai chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. We'll just stop there. I love the Bible because it gives us like these specific dates and times. This was August 29th, 520 B.C. is when this was written. That's a week from next Tuesday, 2,537 years ago. And this is the message that's written to the people of God. Now, I want to, before we go into that, we got to kind of look at like, how do we get here? Like, what was the precursor to this message? You actually have to go back and read Ezra chapters 1 through 6, if you really want to get a good picture of it, but I'm just going to kind of sum it up to you guys. What happened is God's people, they're given another chance. And they've returned from exile 
to rebuild the temple. They had been in exile by the Babylonian Empire for 70 years. The temple was completely destroyed. And, and, and you know, and God works in Ezra chapter 1. He works through like a non-Christian ruler to like put it on his heart to say, Hey, I, wanna, I want those, Jerus- those Jews to go back, those Israelites to go back and rebuild the temple so that they can make sacrifices to their God. And so he orders this decree. And, and so they, they all get done with the exile, and about 50,000 of them in total head back. In Ezra chapter 3, you know, it, it says in verse 3, it says, Despite their fear of the people around them, they built the altar. They were just so excited to get back to God, and they, they built the altar in Ezra 3. And by verse 11, it says everyone was praising God because the foundation had been laid. But then Ezra chapter 4 happens, and there's opposition. Opposition comes. They stop building the house of God. You know, and this is just a nice picture of what it can be like in the Christian life sometimes, isn't it? God gives you another chance. You know, you know, sometimes we say God is the God of second chances. I more think God's like the God of thousandth chances because of how many chances he's given us. You know, not that we try to take advantage of him, but, but we serve a patient, a God full of grace, a loving God. And he gives us chances. And that's what he's done with his people. He's given them chance after chance after chance. And when they'd rebel, like he'd still give them chances you know, and, and every now and then he'd have to say, hey, guys, like, it's obvious to me that you don't want a relationship with me. So I'm just going to let you figure this one out on your own. And they ended up in some bad situations. And in this case, they ended up in exile. They ended up being ruled by the Babylonian Empire. And then they come. But then God still gives them another chance. That's just how God works. He gives them another chance, and, they, and, and so they come back, and, you know, and they're, they're so excited. I remember when I got another chance. You remember when you got another chance? You know, I grew up going to church most of my life, but then I stopped. I got busy with sports and school and girls. And then, I'm not going to tell you the whole story. It's a lot to tell, but... God gave me another chance. And I remember having to take a stand. The first stand I had to take for God was with my job. I had just become a Christian, and then a week later, I got this job at AT AT&T. Excuse me, a week before, I had got this job at AT AT&T as one of their branch managers, and they were going to train me to run the branches up in Palmdale. But they had said, well, we need you to work underneath another manager to kind of learn the ropes. And so we're going to need you to really understand the business for a couple months, and then we're going to send you up to Palmdale. So we need you to work every shift that you can. We need you to come in and kind of learn all the sides. Kind of, You're going to shadow the sales reps. You're going to shadow the people that, that do the finance on the back. You're going to shadow the manager the most. But I want you to understand the business because I'd never worked in communications before. And so they said, we want you to understand this, and then we're going to send you up there. So you're going to need to work every shift. And I, and I looked at him and I said, I can't work Sundays. I just can't. And coming for me, that was so hard to do. Because, like, I was such a workaholic. I prided myself on being a man that worked hard. 60 hours a week, 70 hours a week, it really wasn't a thing. It was like, man, it was like a pride. Yeah, how, how many hours a week you work? I got 70. Yeah, I did an open to close. It wasn't a big deal. 
I got you. You know, that's kind of how I felt. I prided myself in that. But then when I became a Christian, it was kind of like, God, give me another chance. It's like, I didn't care what people thought anymore. All I cared about was what God thought. And so when they said, you're going to have to work Sunday mornings, it's like, can't do that. Then, I, you know, I was like, oh, well, we got a banquet coming up. So I can't work that Sunday night. So I can actually work that one Sunday morning. It's the only Sunday morning I ever worked at that job. It was like the banquet that we had in a few weeks after that. But I would have never dreamed of taking a stand. You know, but this is how it works. God gives us another chance. We get, some, we get some grit. We get some toughness. And we're like, man, I don't fear people. I don't care what people are going to do or what they say because I'm, God's given me this other chance. And I'm, lo- I'm, I'm so excited about what he's done for me. I'm just going to honor him. And that's what they did. They, they're just so excited. And they start rebuilding the altar. They lay the foundations. But the heat gets turned up. I mean, isn't that just a picture of the Christian life? Where the just heat gets turned up. Man, and it, and, and it hit them where it hurt. A group of people in Ezra 4, they went to the ruler and they said, Hey, if you allow them to build this temple, we're not paying taxes anymore. And they started trying to bribe the other workers that they had. And I mean, they, they started hitting them in their pocketbooks. And then the opposition got really serious, got really heavy, and then they stopped. Focusing on the house of God. They needed to refocus. So God sends them a prophet. He sends them Haggai. And so that's where we're at. Haggai chapter 1 verse 2. So this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? You know, God's saying like, okay, so you're saying it's not time to build that house of God yet. And keep in mind, this letter was written about 15 years after the building had stopped. He said, so you're saying it's not time. But you're also saying that it's it's time for you to build your own house. You know, and you kind of get like God, you almost like you guys pick up on the tinge of sarcasm from God a little bit. He's like, wait a second here. Like, like you're saying it's not time to build your house like you didn't get that message, but you knew that it was time to focus on building yours. You know, I find it interesting that you heard that call that you 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 didn't hear the call to build my house, but. Apparently, you heard the call to build your own house. Guys, this is the same. I think this is the same type of stuff that we hear and do today. You know, it's like where we'll, we'll make excuses. It's like, well, I don't know if I should serve God. I, you know, I don't know if I can really give myself fully to him. You know, because cause really, like, I just haven't heard that message from God yet. I don't know what we're looking for sometimes. Sometimes I wonder that. Am I looking for the clouds to open up and God to hit you with something? I, you know, I don't know. But, but you, ever, you ever personally made that excuse? You ever personally looked out and said, you know what, like, eh, it's just not the right time to focus on God's house. So I'm just going to focus on mine. You know, I don't want to get too far ahead of God's plans. 
it's just not it's just not the right time. You know, let me ask you this. Did you watch TV this week? Anybody watch TV this week? I, I watched TV this week. Yeah. There's a couple new shows on uh, Netflix, so I got to catch a couple Netflix episodes. But you know what? Like, I didn't hear God tell me to go watch TV this week. I didn't hear God tell me to go turn on the television and catch up on, you know, your sports or preseason football. I didn't hear, you know, God tell me, hey, you need to go shopping or, hey, you need to go play golf. I don't play golfer, so you need to go play frisbee or something like that. You know, I didn't hear God tell me that stuff. But it's amazing what we can do where we say, God, it's not yet time. It's not time to focus on your house um, so I'm just going to focus on mine. And, and this is what we do. It's all about, like, when it comes to the stuff that we want to do, we don't have to hear from God about that. But when it comes to the stuff that God wants for us, we all of a sudden become super spiritual and wait for God to tell us something. Do you know what I mean? I mean, anybody, anybody there, like, I'm convicted by this story right here. I just bought a house last year. It's a little town home right behind Cal Arts. And, you know, when you buy, I didn't really, I knew, kind of knew this would happen, but I didn't really know it would be the, to this extent. Every time I go into my house, I think about what I want to do to my house. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, I need to redo the patio. Now I've got to repaint the place. Ah, I need new floors because, my, cause, you know, the floors are just old. You know, you just start this list of stuff. That you got like, I want to do this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And soon enough, that can be the thing that consumes your thinking of like all this stuff that you want to do. And next thing you know, you're neglecting the house of God. That's what was happening to these people. You know, we put God's work aside to pursue our pursue our own desires. That's what this whole message of Haggai is. He's like, it's time, I'm gonna, I'm, this is a refocused message right here. It's time to not put God's work aside to pursue your own desires. You know, sometimes we even use the Bible to support our own desires. Like it'll, uh, this, is, this is one that I've heard. This is one that I've even been tempted to say. Where it's like the Bible says that if a man's not providing for his own family, then he is worse than an unbeliever. And so for me, what is most important is I just need to provide for my family. And as soon as I, as I get all the bills paid, and as soon as I get the kids off to college and pay for their college and then pay for the house, and then, oh wait, I'm going to have to save money and go on that trip of a lifetime also. And then when I'm about 65 years old, I'll give my work. I'll give myself to the Lord. God's like, you didn't hear the call. You know, working hard for your family. I'm not saying that's a bad. That's a that's a thing we need to do. But we're talking about refocusing. We're talking about our priorities. We're talking about like what's coming first. You know, sometimes, and this is the, the boat that I'm in, where I've got two little ones, two under two. Yeah, two under two years old. 
And you know what I hear all the time? This is the one that I hear all the time, and this is from everyone, you know, and it's just fun. It's like, it's just the stage of life you're in. And, you know, and, and what I feel tempted to do is make that my excuse. Well, it's the stage of life I'm in. So when my kids go to school, then I'll really focus on campus. You know, when I have them out during the morning, you know, when, they're, when I send them off at 8 a.m., I'm so excited. And I've shared this with my wife before. I can't wait till Levi turns five or six and Judah's four or five and I'm sending them both to school. I, I'm, I'm just, I've already got the vision how I'm going to walk them to school, how I'm going to drop them off. I'm going to come home, maybe get a good workout in and go, and, just, and go share my faith like crazy on campus in five years from now. But isn't that how sometimes we get, it's just not time. It's not fitting into my schedule. You know, my schedule's too crazy. I, I, I'm too busy chauffeuring my kids all around. It's just not time to focus on building the house of God. Has anybody felt this? Have you guys felt this before? You know, and he's like, hey, it, I'm going to refocus you right now, so you've got to get ready, okay? He says, your fear has stole your focus. At first you stopped fearing people, but somewhere along the way the opposition came and you started fearing people. You started fearing what it was going to make you look like or you feared how uncomfortable you were going to be or you feared how you might disappoint your children or you might not be the best for, for someone. The fear stole your focus. You used to fear God and you didn't care what people thought. And you were building His house. Opposition came. Next thing you know, 15 years goes by, and you're like, ah, it's just not time. It's not time to build the house. You know, we always have time for the things that we put first. We always have time for the things we put first. That's what God's talking to these people about. I think it's a message that we can relate to so much. You know, when he wrote this letter, the time of year was harvest time. It was the time when they were supposed to go out there and get all their grain. It was supposed to the time to go, go get all their food. And, you know, it was a busy time of year. Fall is a busy time of year for us. I mean, before you know it, you're going to walk into Walmart or Target and you're going to see Christmas decorations up. And you're going to be like, what just happens? How did we get here? It's just, and it just flies by. You know, and so I don't know how these people felt, but like a message of refocus, you got to get back on track during the busy time. Is what God calls them to do. And I think he has a similar message to us. Where it's like, wow, if you're not focused, it's time to refocus. If you're wondering, like, hey, I'm waiting for that call. Here it is. God is saying, like, refocus. Get back on track. Yeah, it's, it is time to build the house up. We're going to continue in verse 5. Because if you're not convicted by this yet, then verse 5 really convicts us, I think. It says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thoughts to your ways. You've planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. 
You put on clothes, but you're not warm, and you earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You ever had like a parent repeat something to you? <laughs> oh, you got to think about this. And then he comes out, think about this. Give careful thought. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away because... Why, declares the Lord, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains on the grain, the new wine, the olive tree, and everything else the ground produces on people and livestock and all the labor of your hands. You know, when we lose focus, we miss God's hints. God's like, you wonder why you're so unhappy? You wonder why you feel empty? Why, why you keep spinning your wheels all the time? Why it feels like you never have enough money even after the promotions? You wonder why you're working harder but still falling further behind? He's like, because I'm trying to get your attention here. That's what he tells the people. It's like, hey, you harvested little. Like, you, you, you put the money in your pockets, but it, but it just fell right through. And God was like, because I blew it away. Because I was just trying to get your attention. It's like, hi, guy comes along and he says, you know, he's like, you ever seen that Back to the Future? When Biff, I think it's old Biff, and he's, he's like, hello, hello, is anybody in there? Hello? You guys know what I'm talking about? Anybody there? Okay, there we go. Amen. Back to the future reference for the day. You know, Haggai comes along. He's like, hello. Hey, folks. Like, guys, like, God's the one that controls the rain. God's the one that controls the harvest. He, and he's withholding his blessings because he's trying to get your attention. I mean, that's what he's trying to, he's trying to make this point to them. He's like, your priorities aren't right. He's put whole... He's, if you put his house first, he's going to bless you. You know what the scripture says is seek, seek his kingdom first, and then all these things will be added to you. You know, if you go back and read Ezra chapter 6, it's an amazing story. Because eventually they repent. We'll get there. They, 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 they follow the word of God. They rebuild the temple. And what I love about it is... God had to work through all the, the, the officials and the, the governing authorities at the time. And the governing authorities paid for the building. I mean, it was just one of those things. Like, they refocused, and God said, see, I'm going to pay for the building. You don't even have to worry about it. I'm going to take care of all of this. You spent so much time on your own house. If you would have just focused on my house, I would have had that taken care of in a few years. And then you could have built your house. But your priorities were mixed up. And we've got to give careful thought to our ways. See, when you lose focus, when you stop prioritizing God, God is going to try to get your attention. 
Sometimes it's actually by blessing. Sometimes God allows good things to happen because he knows that it's going to mess with your conscience. Because you're going to look back and you're going to say, man, I, I don't deserve this. What's going on? It's like there's got to be something more. And sometimes it's like this, where it's like, man, I'm spinning my wheels. I'm working hard. You know, yeah, I've got my house built. I've got my, you know, they had their panel houses built. You know, they were living in luxury at the time. But you just get this picture that they were just working 70 hours a week to get there. And God's like, you're neglecting my house. You're spending too much time on that. You're not focused enough. And, you know, and we're going, you know, so many of us, we're going into that time of year. The students, you're going into this time where, you know, now you've got to balance work and school and homework and family life and, and, and church and, and maybe sports or music, uh, you know, and friends and stuff like that. And you're, you're looking at your schedule and you're like, well, I'll give God this slice of the pie. And God's like, no, I want the whole pie. I'll take care of the rest if you give me that. If you give me your focus. That's my challenge to the students here today because it, it is a busy time of year. But it can be such an exciting time of year when you're that focused on God. You know, if you've uh, drifted, if you're making excuses as to why not to give 100% because it's just a busy time of year, if you're feeling opposed even by God, if you... Or maybe you're sitting there and you're just never satisfied. Kind of like these people. Where they, you know, they, they drink, but they don't have their fill. They, they eat, but they never have enough. You know, and sometimes that's what it is. It's like, I'm just not satisfied with what's going on. I think God's trying to give you, get your attention. He's trying to say, hey, it's time to refocus. It's time to focus on building my house again. You know, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, it says, You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow. The road is difficult. And only a few ever find it. You know, I saw a video one time, and when I saw that video, this is the scripture I thought about. You know, we, we, the, the, the narrow road scripture, we, we think about that scripture. And so I want to show you guys this video, and then we're gonna, I'm going to talk about it in a second. Rider 13, Kelly McGarry, 3, 2, 1, Gary.
I'm sorry, I probably should have warned people <laughs> that that one might make your t- stomach turn a little bit. You know, when I think of narrow road, that's kind of what I think about. Like, that's crazy. That's exciting. There's only a few people I know. I know there's a couple brothers in here. I know Dave Mancini, you know, Dave, Dave loves downhill mountain biking, and so he's probably super excited that I showed that video. But, um... I think some of us, like, we've got to ask ourselves, man, am I still on that narrow road? Do I need to refocus? Because if your life isn't looking like that right now, where it might feel a little unsettling, might feel a little uncomfortable, might feel a little crazy, you might feel alone. You notice, like, at the beginning of the video, he kind of goes up to the top of the mountain, and there's, like, one guy cheering him. He's like, come on, bro. You know, and he's about to go through this really intense stuff. And, you know, and it's like, if you're feeling that way, awesome. That, I think that means you're focused where you're living on the edge a little bit. Where you're kind of at this place where I don't care what other people are going to say about me. I'm living for God. It doesn't really matter. I've got a purpose bigger than what you think. That's narrow road living. Too many times we get to the, to, to the wide road where it's just comfortable. I don't have a picture for you, but you just, just imagine the 405. You know, I didn't want to paint you guys with the pictures of the 405. But that's what it looks like. Because it's the wide road that everyone likes to take. And it's jammed. It's packed. You're going somewhere, but you're not satisfied. You're not happy. And... Isn't that road way more exciting? Isn't that road way more exhilarating? That's, that's what the narrow road looks like. He says only a few find it. You've got to stay focused. You know, that guy riding that bike, I doubt he was thinking about what he's going to have for dinner that night. I doubt he was thinking about getting his kids off to school that next week while he was riding that bike. He was focused on one thing and one thing only, not dying. You know, he's like, I got to make it to the finish line. And you watch those times when he's like doing the backflips and you're just kind of like, where's he going to land? You get to the end there and, you know, he hears the giant crowd and you saw him get off course a little bit, right? What happened? He corrected it, refocused. He got back on course and he finished. That's what it takes we got to refocus ourselves. The end of Haggai, verse 12, it says, Then Zerubbabel, son of Shiltil, Joshua, son of Josedach, and the high priest and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people, people feared the Lord. You know, they got their fear back on the right track. Like I said, the wrong fear steals focus. But when you're looking at God, and this is like the, the type of fear we're talking about is like, okay, like this is a, the creator, the, how the created being feels about the creator. It's like I'm really not in charge anyways. That's why I make saying stuff like, oh, it's just not time yet, as if we really have control of time. It's this fear of reverence. It's this fear of like just 
awestruck wonder, this fear of looking up and saying, wow, he is such a big God. And it only makes sense that I'm focused only on him. That yeah, he's leading me down the narrow path, and yeah, it might feel a little hairy every now and then. It might feel a little intense. It might feel a little uneasy. And I might feel alone sometimes. He's saying, like, that's the path I have you on. That's the exciting path right there. You know, and they feared God. And then I love verse 13. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message to the people, to, to the Lord of the Lord, to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. And so this, the Lord stirred up their spirit and they started building again. They repented. And I love that because God gives them this assurance. He says, hey, I'm with you. Yeah, before, you know, I was with you, but I was trying to get your attention. I was maybe causing some tough things to happen to get your focus. But now, I'm with you. Where else do we hear that? Go over to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28, verse 18, some of the last words of Jesus. He says, says when Jesus, then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always. To the very end of the age. You know, Jesus gives us our focus right there. He says, this is what it's all about. It's all about loving God and helping other people love God. We all fit into one of those categories. And he says, this is where your focus needs to be. He says, and I have all the authority... And listen, I'm with you. You know, Haggai was them all about building the temple because back then, the temple was where you would go to see God, to spend time with God, to worship God. And it was only at that temple that you would go. And the temple that Haggai built, that, that the people in those days built, that's the temple that Jesus walked into. That temple had some purpose. But then... Jesus comes in and he changes things up for us a little bit. And he says he, he gets away. He does away with that form of temple worship. And he says, you know what? God is now everywhere. You can worship God at Rancho Pico Junior High School. You can worship God at the park, wherever you had your park service. You can worship God at Buena Vista. You can worship God at the fall retreat. You can worship God anywhere. You don't have to go to the temple. You know, and it's just so amazing that we serve a God that loves us that much. You know, but Jesus needs to be the focus. We're going to close in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. 
It's after the great roll call of faith. Many of us know that verse, and many of us know this verse. He says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. I mean, think about that guy on the bike and how many people were just cheering him on. And, you know, it's just like, and that's kind of what I feel like, is when you're on that narrow road, it's like, man, you just got people in heaven cheering you on. You got Moses, you got Abraham, just looking down and saying, come on, finish the race, finish strong. He's like, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Brothers and sisters, that's where our focus needs to be today. That's where we need to refocus where we're looking at Jesus, where we're seeing like the life that he led, how he lived his life. You know, Jesus didn't concern himself with food. He didn't concern himself with clothes. All he concerned himself with was doing the Lord's work. And God took care of the rest. He ate pretty well, I presume. I mean, God turned some fish into, you know, fish and bread and fed 5,000 people with it, with just a little bit of it. And and Jesus, because Jesus' focus was spot on. And Jesus tells us, you know, and the writer Hebrews tells us, and we need to fix our eyes on him. And so that's where our focus needs to be. And that's what I want to challenge everyone as you're heading into the fall. If you're not focused on Jesus, then refocus. This is overtime, baby. This is the time to get back into it. This is the end of the game. This is when the lights are going to be bright. And you know what? I believe that God can do amazing things. I feel it. Personally, I feel it. As a minister, when I'm walking around, when I'm talking to so many of you, I feel it. I'm like, wow, God is doing something right now. Now, when God's doing something, that normally means opposition is coming too. So we got to stay focused. we got to stay diligent. we got to stay focused on Jesus, imitating him and not lose any of that focus. And like he says, surely I am with you. And that's really all that matters. Right now we're going to pray for the communion. As I pray, let's just think about our focus. And as we pray, we're going to be focusing in on the cross. God, it's, um, Lord, I pray that we can just be focused on you. That we cannot be distracted by all the things in life. You know, God, we know, we, we know that you know what we need. We need to work, that we need to go to school. We need to provide for our families, God. But I pray that you help us to put you back in that number one priority spot if we haven't. That we just focus on you. And that we just have the faith that everything else will be taken care of when that happens. Lord, I pray right now as we take the bread and the cup that we remember that sacrifice that your son made for us. That example that he set for us. And I pray that that just remains our focus through the fall. We love you. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.